0: Welcome to the first of a new series of recordings from Signum Records, a new podcast series where we interview some of our artists and composers and other collaborators to find out a little bit more about what they do besides their recordings. I'm delighted to be joined today by Tamsin Whaley-Cohen, who you've just heard performing the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto. Tamsin, welcome. Thanks for joining us here today. Great pleasure. You were performing there with the Orchestra of the Swan, who were based up in Stratford-upon-Avon and you've been an artist-in-residence with them before, and I believe you have a continuing relationship with them. How did you first come to perform with the orchestra?
1: I first played with Orchestra of one, I think about five years ago. David Curtis, who's their conductor and music director, invited me, in fact, to play the Lark Ascending and the Vaughan Williams Concerto. And the following year he invited me to be their associate artist, which was hugely exciting and the beginning of a really wonderful relationship that we've built um, over the years. We've made a couple of recordings together now and we've got exciting plans for next year and the following year as well. Um, They've commissioned two concertos for me, which is incredibly exciting. One from Dubrinka Tabakovo, who will be taking over from Hugh Watkins as their resident composer and she's writing a work partly inspired by The Lark and by Worth of Copeland for um, violin, chamber orchestra, and continuo jazz trumpets. I think wow. that's, that's going to be cool. That
0: sounds really amazing. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then there's a double concerto by William Lovelady that um, I'll be premiering with Craig Ogden, oh, Ogden. on the guitar. So yeah. I think that will be something totally different. But uh, I'm very excited for both of them. And Dubrinca's music is so beautiful. Hmm be great to get to know that better
0: excellent you have a new solo cd planned for signum for spring 2015 it's a solo disc of violin which sounds really interesting can you tell us a little bit about the repertoire on the cd
1: absolutely um it's quite unusual repertoire it's all post world war II. so the main work on the disc is bartok's solo sonata which was the last complete work he ever wrote it's one of the absolute masterpieces of the 20th century, and it's sort of Everest, probably along with Bach's solo works for any violinist. Mm. I don't think anyone after Bach has escaped his legacy, but after Bartók, the explosion of writing for the solo violin was remarkable. For me, the reason I'm drawn to this repertoire, I think, is that my uh, obsession with the violin has always been about the sound. Sure. I also played the piano for 10 years, but it was always the sound of the violin which just caught my imagination. And in all of these works, I think the composers, of course, they're technically demanding and emotionally very, very demanding um, in places, particularly the Bartók. But they explore the limits and really stretch the limits of the expression through the sound on the instrument from every extreme you can imagine. So they're sort of real human condition just with the violin alone. And there's something also very special about it. I love playing chamber music, I love playing concertos, but when you're just alone on that big stage and it's just you and the instrument, that's a very different experience and a very different way of communicating something that is just personally your own to the audience.
0: Being a soloist performing on stage is an experience that not many people actually get to achieve to such a high level. Can you tell us a little bit about your life as a performer?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. Being on stage is a funny thing. I don't think um, it is totally natural to be getting up on stage in front of so many people a few times a week. Mm. Um, It's quite a different feeling when I'm on my own, like for the solo disc repertoire or with an orchestra that's, you know, huge buzz and really exciting or an ensemble where you're creating something together and you have to keep that communal, creative kind of core with the group. But for me, the most important thing is to be free to create something fresh every time and also just to be absolutely honest, emotionally honest with the music always. There's always funny things that go wrong, you know, trains break down or there's something strange backstage you never know what's going gonna go on but
0: it does seem like every performer has a stock horror story of an experience that's really sort of their yeah career.
1: I think my, <laughs> my worst one was probably the lights going out in the middle of a performance but luckily only for a few seconds oh right um just a small power cut did you manage to carry on we did yeah fantastic we did but you know these things happen
0: it's always a little bit of a cliche question to ask t- Performers, but what can you remember? What it was that first drew you to the violin? Were there any particular pieces or performers that really inspired you?
1: Um, I don't actually remember my first experience of the violin, but I remember asking my parents for lessons for quite a long time. Mm. Um, and I remember my first violin lesson, um, the story is that age two I saw someone on the televised proms playing the violin and was completely obsessed. Right. And more than a year later, when I was about three and a half, my parents found someone to teach me on a very small violin. I'm sure it sounded pretty bad, but <laughs> I've really loved it ever since
0: So you've performed with a number of different chamber ensembles and I believe you're currently the director of the Chamber Music Series at the Tricycle Theatre in Kilburn.
1: That's right, yes.
0: Is programming material like this something that really interests you?
1: I I love programming. I love the research. I love putting things together in different ways. Um, Hugh and I, when we talk about what we're going to do next, programming's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. With the Tricycle, it was a real gift that landed in my lap. Um, a few years ago, Nick Kent, who was the director of the Tricycle for 27 years until a few years ago, just said, I'd like to have some music here. Would you like to do it? So, mm. of course, I said, yes, definitely. Brilliant. Um, it's an unusual space. It's quite a small theatre. It's about 230 seats. Everyone's very close to you. So it's extremely intimate, yeah. which means that the relatively dry acoustic really doesn't matter. We can play very intimate chamber music Um just you know for the people that are there. Yeah. It's also quite fun because we play on the set. So we've done some concerts in quite unusual settings, for example, in a nuclear bunker. Oh right. In the forest. So this we is, did, this is
0: <laughs> so this is varying on the different productions going on at the different
1: productions the there was a nuclear season uh, about 18 months ago and we put on a program that related to that with um, metamorphose charles metamorphosen and uh shostakovich eighth quartet that we played it in the nuclear reactor which was the set at the time
0: do you find you can program it according to what productions are coming that's to what town? we do we try mm. to do
1: things which are related to what's on in the theatres. so all the arts are sort of synthesized and they're all relating yeah. to one another um for example, we did for Act when they had a set with a forest, so that yeah. was quite effective.
0: So continuing this London connection you have with the Tricycle Theatre, you've recently become a member of the London Bridge Ensemble as well. Yes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what this group's been performing and what your plans are with them?
1: Absolutely. The London Bridge Ensemble is primarily a piano trio. We work with guest singers and guest violists, other guest um, instrumentalists as well. It's really lovely for me to have a chamber group Kate Gould and Daniel Tong are the other two members. I learn a lot from playing with them. They're both fantastic musicians. Next year, we have a residency at St John's Smith Square exploring Brahms and his world.
0: Added to these ensembles, you have a very successful duo partnership with the pianist and composer Hugh Watkins, with whom you have a couple of CDs with Signum and one with the label Champs Hill. The most recent recording with Signum uh, is a programme titled 1917, which is quite an intriguing title. Can you explain the significance of that year a little bit more.
1: Yes, absolutely. They are all written, at least in part, in 1917. Sure. We started off with Debussy's Sonata and then found that Elgar's Sonata, while it was finished the following year, he began to write it in 1917. These incredible Sibelius pieces, which really hark back to another era, they're very nostalgic, and um, ballroom dancers really yeah. and then the incredible Respighi Sonata which is very virtuosic confident writing from a young man yeah. whereas of course the Debussy is right at the end of his life the partnership with Hugh um, is something that we've had for quite a few years now and I just feel so lucky to play with him he's an amazing musician and wonderful composer I absolutely love his music and yeah. I'm very lucky that he's written a concertino for me yeah. it's really beautiful and um you know, I can totally trust him on stage. I hope he feels the same so that we can be completely free and just create something anew each time.
0: Another festival you've been involved in is the Honeymead Festival, which I believe it's, you're coming up to your 10th year of involvement with this one.
1: That's right. 2016 will be our 10th anniversary, so next year. Um, something that was started when I was very, very young on Exmoor, um, the idea was to have a week intensively studying two or three really great chamber works um with colleagues and friends so very isolated and then we give three or four performances at the end of the week um it's a chance to really delve deep into the music without sort of distractions of everyday london life
0: one of the interesting things looking through your biography is that you've been picked as one of the evening standards 1000 most influential londoners it's a really fascinating thing to have written about anybody do you have any sort of clue as to how that came about or how you were picked
1: um No, I have no idea. Sure. I was (laughs) very surprised, actually, Mm. um, when I found out that I was included in that. I think it may have been because it was after the first year of the tricycle, but it's still um, a huge surprise. Yeah.
0: You've got a future project planned with your sister Freya Whaley-Cohen who's a composer I believe.
1: That's right, yes.
0: This concert's going to be taken up to Aldborough as some sort of installation. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Absolutely. Um, We're really thrilled to have a residency at Aldborough. It's a really unusual project and I have to say it's really Freya's brainchild. Um, She's doing her PhD at the Academy at the moment where she holds the Manson Fellowship and this is a sound space installation so it's a total synthesis of music and architecture. She's writing a piece for six violins, so six individual voices. Mm. We're working with two architects, um, also sound engineers, to build sort of a small building which will be able to be put up and taken down to move around to different venues.
0: Are there any particular concerts or events you're looking forward to now we're in 2015?
1: Yes, lots, gosh, lots of things. I'm doing another complete Bach in the Holborn Museum, which I'm really looking forward to. It's such a beautiful setting. I'm really looking forward to various concertos with RPO and LPO and also working with Tamás Vasari again in Hungary with his orchestra. I'm very excited about that. Mm -hmm. Joe Phibbs, Joseph Phibbs, is writing me um, a solo violin suite which is quite a major work which will be premiered later on in the year and I'm hugely excited about that. He's a great friend and that's a a really big undertaking for both of us.
0: Added to all that, I believe you've got another recording with Hugh Watkins in the pipeline as well.
1: That's right. Um, And that is actually going to be launched at Wigmore, which is very exciting. The next recording with Hugh is the complete violin and piano works of Reynaldo Hahn. Right. and also the Sonata and Nocturne and Tarantella by Shimonovsky. And
0: it sounds like quite a busy year as well.
1: Quite a busy year. No rest for the wicked. I no. certainly won't be bored.
0: <laughs> no, just an important thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us, Tamsin. Um, can you introduce us to the performance we're going to hear a clip of?
1: Yes. We're going to hear a clip of The Lark Ascending by Vaughan Williams, which I recorded last year with Orchestra of the Swan. It's a great favourite, of course, very popular work, but I think it also has something that really speaks to everyone longing for simplicity and perfection and and freedom, which I think is very universal.
0: Thank you for downloading the Signum Records podcast. For this episode's competition, you have the chance to win a copy of Tamsin Whaley-Cohen's new solo CD. Simply answer the following question. Of which North London theatre is Tamsin Whaley-Cohen the Chamber Music Director? Simply email us at podcast at signumrecords.com with your name and your answer, and the lucky winner will be contacted directly. For more information on Signum Records releases, go to signumrecords.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Spotify, or follow us on Twitter at Signum Records.